I've always been so passionate about helping others and so and also passionate about performing for others um, that I, I made a choice to do both. I, you know, sometimes people think, you know, if you're not doing just focusing on just one, then you're limiting yourself to, you know, be the best you can be at that one thing. Um, I guess I'm stubborn. I want to do it all. So I put all my energy to, to do, focus in on the things that I really love to do. Welcome to You Can Do It, Do It, a podcast about people whose lives were transformed by trying something new. Today, we're joined by Casey Acacia, a social worker and circus performer in Providence, Rhode Island. So Casey, you shared some exciting news recently. I think what you're talking about is my announcement that I made it into the Boston Circus Guild. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So what is the Boston Circus Guild? Uh, Boston Circus Guild is a performance group, and there's over 80 members on their roster. Yeah, they're a pretty big deal. Um, it was a very extensive audition. I had, you know, application process, live audition, uh, to send videos and things of the sort. So it was a lot of pressure, um, but I... Um, yeah, I worked really hard to to get there, and I'm just so grateful for that opportunity to be part of uh, an amazing pool of talent. And Incredible. Yeah, they do a few um, shows uh, like Cirque of the Dead every Halloween, um, so that is something that performers will audition a piece for, uh, and then they work with a lot of event planners and do you know corporate events and. All sorts of really fun, big-scale private events and things of the sort. So, yeah, there's a lot of really cool opportunities that I hope to get to be a part of. That's amazing. And, of course, you know, kind of get to that point, you had to hit a certain point in your life where you said, you know, of all the things I could do, I want to be a circus performer. Yeah. So how did that happen? I didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was always into theater, music, art performing uh as a kid and i you know kind of I, I grew up i had a, a small high school so i got a few lead roles and some plays and thinking that oh okay i can do this but then i went to college and at rhode island college i auditioned and bombed i didn't get cast or anything so i was like what is this it was a wake-up call for me yeah. um i probably could have kept going but then I met Maurice, Reed Amy, uh, and he's a juggler, and I saw him spin fire and was like, what is this? This is amazing. Um, so then I started looking up, you know, fire spinning videos and, and juggling and circus, and I found hula hooping. And I was like, okay, that is cool. Mm. I found somebody who was teaching hoop classes at the spot underground back in the day on their street that mm. was a happening joint yeah so yeah i started back. yeah i started <laughs> that's where i got my start with hooping and the rest is kind of history i just kind of took off self-taught and went to a bunch of circus festivals over the years and wow so now did you drop out of school to go do the circus thing or? no no i got uh, my master's 
everyone wow. in college. Yeah. Oh. So this was simultaneously <laughs> all happening at once. Now, what's your master's in? Social work. Yeah. Do you do you find kind of an intersection between the two? And I'm asking questions we sort of yeah. like know. A yes. Bit. <laughs> yes. Oh, gee, how did you know? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So I, after I, actually, while I was in grad school, I did some research. I was writing some papers and was really interested in expressive arts therapies. And I found a woman in Georgia, Carrie Heller. She runs uh, Circus Arts Therapy, her private practice. She's a professional aerial artist. um, And I contacted her. I was very interested in what she does. So I went to Georgia for a couple weeks and studied, uh, earned some credits studying uh, what she does. And now I would like to do something similar. And I do. One of my jobs, part-time jobs right now, is I work with an agency called Social Sparks in Lincoln, and I work with a lot of kids with special needs, um, social, emotional skills, and uh, behavioral management, and emotional regulation, that sort of thing. And I run a few different groups there, and one of the groups that I have run was uh, Sensory Circus. So it was it was a fun time. A bunch of kids. A lot of times we'd be outside. We'd be using hula hoops to talk about boundaries mm. or juggling different emotions, different stresses huh. in life, uh, just team building, working together. We did a plate balancing. So we would talk about all the different things that are on our plate oh my gosh. and how to keep it balanced. Yeah. Um, which is also a really fun thing because it looks a lot harder than it is. Yeah, um, I was going to say, I'm, I'm just imagining myself <clears throat> just knocking a bunch of plates on the ground. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and they're plastic, so they don't make... <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so much less nervous. <laughs> <laughs> but it does require a bit of focus and concentration, yeah. so you have to be in that kind of mindset. Uh, yeah. Does it kind of uh, uninhibit, disinhibit them to... Uh, talk about and like process emotion to be doing something kind of active and fun at the same time? Is it, does it help like split those processes? I, you know, we always start, um, by with a check-in and we talk about how we're doing today. We have, um, like a visual board so they can kind of put a, a number or color to their emotion, um, as well as describe it and how and why they're feeling that way. So that'll bring a lot of things to the table. Uh, then we'll, we'll have a topic that we'll discuss too as a group and then relate that topic to whatever activity that we're doing. So it can definitely be an icebreaker having these fun experiential activities. Um, And I think when people are moving and doing, they are um, less um, in their head about it or less, it's less confrontational. It's more fun and enjoyable. So yeah, I think it does allow people to feel more comfortable and open up. Now for, you know, a lot of our audience are, you know, people who either work full-time jobs or have like some amount of stress in their life. What, um, what kinds of play activities would you recommend for like adults who are looking for kind of like a a break or something? Well, I would tell adults, make a list of fun things that you like to do in general. What do you do to relax and relieve stress and go off of that, work with that. 
and then schedule time in their week to do something like that. You know, Mm. at least once a week, I recommend. Um, I tend to be a workaholic. I love all my jobs. (laughs) So I, you know, I work really hard at all of them. Mm. But I had to put myself in check and be like, I need to relax. (laughs) So I had to schedule in that relaxation time. So I think that's really important. That's my biggest. Yeah. uh, So actually putting it on the calendar is the the thing for you that makes you stay in that routine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I think we take it for granted. Like, oh, I got an open day on Saturday. And then, like, Saturday comes along and you just fill it with a bunch of random stuff. You don't schedule it in. Yeah. (laughs) Now, what is – so, like, you know, from an outsider's perspective, a lot of the circus art stuff seems – like it would be fun inherently, but obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of practicing and, and hard work that goes into mm-hmm. it. So what does relaxation look like for someone who does the circus arts? Yeah. Um, I think my relaxation probably looks a lot like yours, sitting on the couch relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, but I also get a lot of enjoyment out of what I do. And it, yeah. so even when I'm not working – uh, at a job, uh, I still like to go to events and work. <laughs> yeah. Like what I mean is my uh, my good friend Jesse Jules. She puts on this um, in motion dance and flow jam, and that's what I like to do to relax. I go there and I bring all my hoops and I work on four hoops across the body and. It's so much fun. And to to get to share that with the community of people who are also working on their goals um, in flow arts or dance or movement um, is really exciting. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. And I I figured some aspect of it, like, you know, just going and being able to just kind of do the thing rather than being like, oh, here's my choreography for a performance. It's just like, let me just enjoy the skill I have and have fun with people. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. One of the things we talk about a lot um, is how kind of personality influences your kind of like activities or or desires of what you want to move into. Um, And JP had asked the question when, you know, we were doing a live stream about introversion or extroversion. Mm. How do you, where would you identify yourself? How do you get your energy? That's an interesting question. I would probably say I'm I'm an extrovert because I do um, enjoy interacting with people and that exchange of um, energy. You know, one of our lines in our duo show is we say, the more energy you give to us, the more energy we can give back to you. (laughs) So let's hear this crowd make some noise. Mm, Um, So, yeah, I definitely feed off of people's energy in that way. Um, But I also take a the opposite role when I'm working therapeutically where I am not talking about myself at all. I am letting the other person take center stage and trying to find, help them find their inner light um, to guide them and find their inner strengths. So um, I kind of, I play a few different roles in life and I know I try to know when to take a back seat and when to lead. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a delicate balance between the two is is there an element where having both of those to kind of play off of each other in your life provides you with a sense of balance i've always been so passionate about helping others and so and also passionate about performing for others um that i i made a choice to do both 
I, you know, sometimes people think, you know, if you're not doing, just focusing on just one, then you're limiting yourself to, you know, be the best you can be at that one thing. Um, I guess I'm stubborn. I want to do it all. <laughs> so I put well, all my energy to, to do, focus in on the things that I really love to do. And you found a way to tie them together. I mean, they seem very like integrate, like they're very integrated together. Everything you do on the circus art side and on the therapy side plays into each other. Mostly it does. Yeah. I, I think it does. Um, I mean, of course there are like some corporate events that you do that sure. it's so far removed. You're working with highly privileged people and it's a completely different environment um, or, or a different character that I'm playing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that character who I call Acacia, my performance ego, um, is very different than my Casey, you know, day-to-day uh, therapist. And how do you how do you develop a, a persona to kind of put on or wear? Uh, sometimes it takes research into who the character is or what the event theme is. Um, other times, like JP asked about ten thirty one living statues, mm. and I remember talking to JP like a year ago, saying, you know, most most people get asked to be a, f- a flower girl or a bridesmaid. <laughs> I get asked to be a tree that's right. for people's weddings. <laughs> wow. And that's happened a couple of times. And that was that was actually a friend of yours too, right? Yeah. But yeah, there was I like, I want you to friends. be a tree at my, yeah. my wedding. Like, oh, all right, well, all right. <laughs> yep. Stand next to me. Yes, on the, at the altar. Yeah. Were you um, on the altar? At both times. Oh yeah, I was gosh. a tree. <laughs> it wasn't Sorry. just me. There were other trees. Sure, um, but they were real trees. I mean, not to downplay. I'm sure you're almost incapable of, of determining whether you're a tree or a person. But uh, Yeah, I highly encourage everyone to look up 1031 out of Pawtucket. They're amazing. They have over 200 characters. Jeez. And I get to play some of them sometimes. And yeah, and they have this whole human nature um series and so i often get cast as a tree so how do you prepare to be a tree you know <laughs> and i th- i feel like that is kind of a it can be kind of a spiritual thing if you're out in nature and you just mm. close your eyes and take a deep breath and just say hmm what is it like to stand tall like a tree and mm. how would a tree feel mm. and um yeah it could be pretty cool so um to kind of rewind a little bit what what is a living statue? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so living statues, they are, they can look like a statue, like a bronze statue, white marble statue, patina. They, they have a bunch of different kinds, um, some historical, um, some storybook, etc. But the most important part is that you are alive. So you might strike a pose and hold that pose for a certain length of time and then as someone walks by, you might might make eye contact with them and move your head or <laughs> slowly breathe and lift your arm. And then people go, wow, you know, <laughs> you kind of take their breath away because yeah. they were fooled maybe for a moment hmm. uh, that you were not alive. And sometimes, you know, I hear these. Uh, debates. Oh no, that's they're not alive. That's animatronic. You know, <laughs> they're oh not gosh. convinced. Yeah, um, grown adults too. <laughs> the best is when you scare them, though. That's my favorite. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. This so it's like, cool. what's that? So where where do you? Uh, I, I don't want to 
No, no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Where do you practice being a life statue or where do you perform that? Typically, yeah. other than weddings. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, practice. Um, sometimes, I've been doing it a while now that, uh, you know, I'll do a lot of repeat characters, but um, sometimes I have to go in to the studio in Pawtucket and try on the costume and practice, you know, the practice beforehand. Um, but yeah, all kinds of events, like you wouldn't believe some amazing events I get to be a part of. Um, actually a couple to name drop. Um, yes. I, I performed at, um, the DNC. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. I remember being mentioned. You, that. Oh, yeah. I think I know exactly who you were. You were Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a living statue the whole time. It was Casey that whole time. I had no idea. I was. He does move slowly. <laughs> I was a white tree. I was a birch tree. Hmm. And, um, yeah, it was right after like Hillary kind of won the democratic, um, side. And so there were a bunch of Bernie and Hillary supporters mm. there. And it was kind of, it was kind tense. of crazy times. It was tense. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I was a tree and I was just hugging everybody. Everyone was a tree <laughs> hugger. And oh I was just oh like, man. <laughs> trying to spread the love. <laughs> uh, but I also, um, performed for the bushes um huh. yeah. a- another family of trees you might have heard of yeah <laughs> well they're bushes so oh. yes, <laughs> they don't count <laughs> like like um barbara george bush and barbara yeah. and george oh gosh and george w was there yeah. and jeb was there all their family was there and what wow. were you at that one i was jane austen <laughs> it's really weird to see people in person you know you're so used to seeing them on tv and when you see them as people it it's just like wow it's very interesting surreal (laughs) it's fun it's fun it's really interesting uh because you're not talking so you're Mm. communicating i think my favorite living statue performances have been street performances Mm. Uh, they do a lot of performances at water fire and at faneuil hall and the people that you see at those events, you know, sometimes they don't even speak your language. And it doesn't matter because mm. you're just making that prolonged eye contact. And what they do when, when we street perform, they give you a tip and then we give them a scroll. And the scroll has some words of wisdom um, or just a nice positive sentiment. Um, and people will write letters and say, wow, that really... Uh, made my day or changed my life. I mean, wow. I don't know. I mean, I, people can take away all sorts of experiences from that, but yeah. it's pretty powerful. Yeah. Depending on where they are emotionally. I mean, that might be like the most profound thing that's happened to them during a dark time or something. So exactly. Yeah. You know, and I thought, Oh, changed your life. That's pretty extreme. But then right. they go on to say, I decided to go to grad school for the arts after I had wow. that, you know, encounter. And it's like, Wow, really? Yeah. That's amazing. You you just yeah. never know. Never know. Now, so we asked what goes into being a living statue. I feel like we've we've heard some of the elements of it, but what goes into being uh doing work in the circus arts or being a circus performer? Yeah, self-determination. The most of the reason I started hula hooping was to impress Maurice. Ah. <laughs> I thought sort of like a like a mating dance. Like, <laughs> you know, he was so good at juggling. What can I do, right. you know, to impress him? So 
Um, yeah, I started hula hooping and I really fell in love with the art. Uh, I love dancing anyway, so it's just dancing with the prop. And um, but then we would hang out. He, he would be juggling. I'd be hula hooping, and then more people would just come hang out with us and try something. To the point where now we had a whole bunch of people in the quad hanging out, juggling, trying out new things or things that they had done when they were kids like yo-yo or flag spinning or whatever it was, staff spinning, martial arts. Hmm. Devil sticks. Devil sticks. <laughs> Devil sticks. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice. And, um, and then I said to my friends, hey, I bet we could make this into a circus club and get the school to fund it for us. Mm. So that's what we did. And we got some of our most favorite YouTube stars from Sweden to come perform for us. What? And they stayed in this apartment. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, that was Wes Peden and Jay Gilligan, uh, amazing jugglers. And we got our friends from a different spin to come perform for us and they did their juggling show they did their fire show and that after seeing that i was like this is what i want to do if, if mm. they can do it then why can't i do it and um i think my life kind of came full circle because now i'm actually working with those guys in boston circus guild oh wow so it feels like yeah, yeah. i made it in life i'm you know working among my uh idols so it's it's pretty great There's probably two things most people know about circus performance. I think from the outside, it's like the circus you would go to, like a Barnum and Bailey or something, right? Mm -hmm. Or like Cirque du Soleil. And so what kind of elements are the same from what you do? What stuff is different? And and how is like more individualized circus performance different? Sure. So those two circuses that you named, they're like traveling circuses. And they have a big production show that they take on the road and perform in all these different cities. One of the most amazing things that um, Cirque du Soleil has done is they started a social circus movement. And that was they would take uh, social workers and uh, people who work well with others, humanitarians, they bring them to um, different countries, maybe underdeveloped or just um, low-income, marginalized populations, and they'd work with the youth primarily and teach them some of these skills oh, cool. and put together a show and do a street show. And the, the self-esteem that they built and the, um, the community, it's just such a beautiful thing. Um, so now social circus is becoming a, a larger movement, and um, that's kind of spreading in the states as well. There's a lot of different social circus movements happening. I was going to say, is that um, is that unique in a way to to Cirque du Soleil, or is that always kind of been some element of circus performance to some social aspect? Um, yeah, I mean, I think historically, circus you know, did have, I mean, there's so many different circuses. It's hard to generalize, but um, I think a little bit, yeah, that's kind of how it started. Like, let's bring these um, marginalized people together and, you know, maybe freak shows or or whatnot. Um, But in in an empowering way. Um, But the thing about Cirque du Soleil is that they uh, funded 
the social circus movement and that it really spread and they did a lot of research on on you know the benefits and how it really affected these communities in such a positive way so it was it spread to like 60 different countries and now it's even bigger than that and there's specific social circus trainings you can go to and yeah would you ever get involved with that, or is it, do you have your, oh, your kind of got your own? Thing? Definitely, um, definitely been thinking about that. Nice. And there's all sorts of um, you can go to you can go to college to um, to learn get a degree in circus arts. Really? Um, not in America, but <laughs> in Canada wow. and Australia and across Europe. Hmm. Um, so yeah, you can even get a degree in social circus in Canada. Yes. So for the kid who's always wanted to leave home and join the circus, now they can do it and get a four-year college yeah. education. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, mom, dad, I, I, I don't need to run away. I just need your help with tuition. Actually, I'm moving to Canada to join the circus." Or like me, you know, you you find the circus, the circus finds you yeah. at college and right. start a group. There's actually a lot of different colleges that have circus clubs. And that's been an amazing network because we'll put on events and go to each other's events and learn skills. So it's pretty, pretty incredible. I like that. I think that's maybe unique about the circus community is that they're so uh, supportive and they want to share the skills. They want to see you improve. And then every year after year, you see these people and they're just always leveling up. It's incredible. (laughs) The circuses that I perform in um, will, you know, Boston Circus Guild, they have um, the Cirque of the Dead show um, that people will go to to see uh, in Massachusetts. But primarily, we get booked for different events. So we go to the people um, who hire us for these big events. And it's all customized, you know, what skills they want to see. So on my end, as a performing artist, um, companies like agencies like 1031 or Boston Circus Guild, they will contact me and ask about my availability and if I can um, do the opportunity or not. Uh, So, yeah, there's some flexibility there for me. And they call you up and they're like, we need need something with fire and we need something with hoops. And you're like, I'm the one for you. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How do they, like, what is it, what goes into organizing an event like that? What kind of stuff do they want? Oh, all sorts of things. I mean, I can speak to my experience with Circus Dynamics because yeah. we do more of that end of booking shows and mm. events. Um, and and a lot can go into it. Uh, with fire performance specifically, that is very involved. Um, we have insurance uh, to protect us and protect the venue and the people. We've never had to use it because we have safety training that yeah. we yeah. renew every year. That's why you buy insurance, too, so you never, so you never have, have to never use, have it. To use yeah. it. Yes. <laughs> um, but we have also have to contact the um, security people who are at the event, the fire marshal. We have to, a lot of times if it's on uh, public property, we have to make sure that we're getting a permit. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of rules and regulations and laws to abide by. And it's our job to also educate and inform people. And so we've built some really great relationships with local fire marshals. They've seen our show and how we handle fire and put out fire. Yeah. And and they love it. There's, there's, yeah, so excited by it. 
Like, I get to see fire that I don't have to put out. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the security guard things, and all of a sudden I'm like, that's right. Like, if you don't tell security guards and they just see flames going everywhere, you're going to get, like, tased or something. I yeah, don't know. Like, it would not be good. <laughs> okay, we're going to be tossing fire around, but it's safe, and we have permits. And they're like, all right, right. I'm not totally sure I won't tase you yet, but... And also, I think it's important to mention that we only perform outdoors. Yeah. Um, so we don't mess with it indoors. Okay. Yeah. For safety reasons. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah, I mean, considering Rhode, Rhode Island had a, a history with indoor yeah. fire. Exactly. Um, over Which, the past fifteen years ago? Yeah, probably at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a nightclub fire that a bunch of people got caught in as a result and no good but a lot of state regulation actually changed as a, i think as a result of that mm. right. incident yeah and actually um i mean it's a devastating story that impacted the community at large um and going to these trainings on safety we'll go to people in new york know about that fire wow um and they have made a whole um train program to you can be a uh, licensed fire performer in New York, and you have to go through this specific training to do so. And part of that training is they talk about that wow. that fire, and they That's talk. Crazy. So it's it's not something that um, we take lightly. You know, you got to respect the fire, and you have to take it seriously. Mm. Um, so we take safety very seriously. Yeah, absolutely. But it's so mesmerizing. People see it and they're just so, you know, awed by it. It's really fun. Yeah, and you do some fire performances at Water Fire too, right? Or, or just yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I've only seen it a couple times. Water Fire is amazing. It's so magical. It's one of the biggest touristy things in Providence, and um, I, you know, through the canals, through the heart of the city. A bunch of floating fire pits, like anchored, mm. but floating fire pits, light the canals, and everyone kind of gathers around, and there's just this beautiful ambiance, and kind of... Yeah, they have huge speakers playing, like, uh, yeah, atmospheric music and, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, Steve. That was perfect. That was exactly <laughs> the whole time. It's basically just a, a didgeridoo. Steve's on a didgeridoo. <laughs> Yeah, very droney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then they've got world music playing, and yeah, they've got a lot of different things. And then, as you walk through the city, there will be artisans and food and music and street performers. So yeah, such as yourself. Right, right. When they hire me to spin fire, what's really cool is they take me out on the gondola. And oh, awesome! Yeah, so I get to start with the the lighting ceremony where they go on the gondola they light all the fire pits and then i get to spin on like the what do you call it the bow the uh, the, the front of the bow the bow, the bow. The bow. Yeah, yeah oh man i'm terrible you got it yeah, it's great <laughs> the bow the bow the bow the bow it's the about bow. the same right it is yeah <laughs> okay. draft and drought i don't know <laughs> right Anyways, moving on. <laughs> well, I don't know. But, yeah, it's, it's super fun. So I get to perform there. And then they drop me off at a few different locations uh, surrounded by water. And I'm spinning my hoops or my fire poi, which is basically just a ball and chain. Um, and the, the ball is a fire-resistant material that you dip in 
oil or fuel and light it on fire. Jeepers. <laughs> so you mentioned that uh, Boston Circus Guild was a big social media announcement and obviously just a big milestone in your life, not just social media. Um, but also another thing that I you had posted about within the last month, I think, was uh, getting your license for Providence Play Therapy. Is that what? Yeah. So I, I got my license yeah. as an independent clinical social worker, and that opened up doors to be able to pursue private practice. Mm. So I am still in the process of um, being able to accept insurance. Mm. Um, so that's a whole lot of paperwork. Sure. But um, I did register the name Providence Play Therapy, and I have a, an office in Providence. Wow. So, yeah. That's big. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what led you to want to branch out onto your own? Um, well, I really uh, wanted to spread play therapy as a um, theoretical model that really does work. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of research. Um, so I really wanted to share that um, with people and promote that as much as possible. And it's actually becoming more and more well-known. People, pediatricians and doctors... Um, and psychiatrists, they're becoming more aware of play therapy. And so I'm actually getting calls all the time uh, for play therapy. So I'm super excited to just uh, promote that and share that and hopefully put together some play therapy trainings in the near future. And does that relate to what you were talking about earlier with the like juggling and stuff like that? Or is there more to it? Yeah. So play therapy, what it, what it means is... Um, like I said um, a little about the expressive arts, it's just a way to, um, with kids, sometimes it feels really confrontational to just do talk therapy. Um, and a lot of kids, their first language is play. So they're, they just have an easier time expressing themselves through play, uh, whether it's playing in a dollhouse or a sandbox, using a bunch of figures to show their world um, in the sand tray. Um, it's just a, it feels more natural for them. Mm. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful thing to be able to use play to discuss deeper issues and, you know, if, whether it's a trauma or grief or social skill building, you know, they're, they're working through it. They're processing it in a, in a beautiful, natural way. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Thanks. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> like, I think Steve's going to tear up. I kind of, so. I mean. Uh, it, no, it, I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah not, it is. Uh, it is something, you know, where we, we had, had talked with a friend of ours a few weeks ago about his experience with therapy. Mm -hmm. um, transformative that process was for him. Mm. Uh, my own story have I've had that mm. that same type of impact of just like you know and I think it's different for everybody but um, I think one of the the nice things about growing up in kind of the the early two thousands is that the way that our culture shifted seeing a therapist or you know quote unquote getting help mm -hmm. has kind of lost its stigma in a lot of ways mm. like there's still a little bit around it but. Mm -hmm. um, I, I look at something like, you know, play therapy or, you know, other um, forms of therapy that, you know, are immersive for people that let them kind of potentially even disconnect from 
their environment to mm-hmm. be able to be more expressive about what's going on inside mm-hmm. um, as, as just these wonderful tools. Absolutely. And, uh, I, I don't really know where I was going with this other than just to. <laughs> yeah, just that means so much. Yeah, no, I, and truly, and I and I feel the same way. Um, I, I'm not a perfect being, and nobody is. And I've had my own experiences with therapy growing up and in adulthood, and that was always such a powerful outlet for me. That um, at eight years old, going through some grief and trauma in life, it really. Um, was so beneficial, so helpful that I thought, I want to do this. Mm. (laughs) So it really was a school social worker that, you know, the light bulb went out and I said, I I, want to do this. This is, I want to help people in the same way. So I hope that I can reconnect with her someday (laughs) so I can give her that credit. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, And you, uh, did you do, you did some kind of like seminar or something like, Patch Adams at one point. I did, it? yeah. Oh, Wait. you did your research. No, no, I I remember you t- like the telling real me about Patch this. Oh, Adams? I told yeah. you in person. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> I could have found that online unless I was like really searching through your history or something. But because that was like what a couple years ago. Or yeah. Years ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's still a lot. He is. Oh. Yeah. yeah. He's huh. a real person. Um, <laughs> a real living person. He's a, a real, real person. He's not just person. a fictional character. <laughs> he's not just Robin. I well, when Robin, yeah, you, Robin yeah, Williams passed away and. uh Patch Adams also passed away in my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's He's true. Still actually. going. He's yeah. still going. That's good. Um, yeah, that was an amazing movie with Robin Williams, yeah. by the yeah. way. I, yeah. I remember I saw that and I definitely teared up watching that one. And I thought, again, like, yes, I want to do this. I want to spread joy yeah. into people's life and especially those who need it the most, who are suffering, who are going through some hard times. And um, yeah, he always had, he was like a kind of like a beautiful, like personal fun connection with his patients and stuff was that kind of his yeah he's a doctor but he's yeah. also a clown so he That's was right. a, a big reason why there's some legitimate clowning happening in hospitals these days oh wow mm-hmm. it's because of him yeah. his uh, biggest motto is laughter is the best medicine mm. and it truly is uh you know the science will tell you that it really does impact your whole system and just improves your overall health and well-being because it's that mental and physical connection between the two so um yeah i i know i looked him up and he does seminars all over uh the world and does these clowning and caring trips so i had a friend that um made an announcement on social media that that they're going to Costa Rica with Patch Adams. And I was like, no way. (laughs) Oh, but we're eloping. Also, there's an event next week if you're interested in that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. So uh, I had to get involved in that. And uh, it was was pretty incredible. You know, most most people, when they go to Costa Rica, they go to these uh, retreats. And it's a very different... Uh, experience but we went to uh refugee camps in san jose we went to um hospitals and a women's prison um we went to a school for kids uh who have disabilities we went to a nursing home so yeah we we, crazy so it really was like kind of a hands-on sort of thing yes and we were clowning (laughs) crazy it was it was incredible. I yeah. think 
you know, people are, are kind of afraid of clowns. They think of a stereotypical white face, mm-hmm. you know, crazy hair. Um, it wasn't really like that with us. Um, you know, maybe we'll have like a nose or bright colored outfits, uh, but it's just playfulness. We're just there to bring out joy and playfulness, you know, and get people playing with us in the streets or playing with us in these different environments. And you don't have to speak the language because play is a universal language. So it was just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a lot of what you do comes down to being able to break down an actual language barrier and connect with people emotionally and on like a spiritual level. Yeah, I mean, even from like you know the the stuff with living statues to yeah. being on stage as a performer, and and you know when when you you're spinning your hoops and using the crowd's energy to you know beef up your own energy and hand that right back, like yeah. there is this element of nonverbal communication that mm-hmm. it seems mm-hmm. like you've embraced as part of your practice. Yes, yeah, I, I believe so. It's bidirectional. Yeah. <laughs> goes both ways and and also though I do value my alone time and um, working really hard towards my goals I find that hooping can be very meditative that moving meditation even juggling the repetitiveness of the juggling you just have to be in a different zone um, and so that can be called flow flow arts yeah. And, yeah, you can achieve flow in many different um, professions or occupations. So Yeah, flow is a huge topic across tons of stuff. I mean, like uh, Navy mm. SEALs try to do use flow. Mm. Software engineers try to use flow. Baby writers. Seals. Baby SEALs love <laughs> flow. Um, but that's just a little swimming move they do, just a coincidentally name the same. Yeah, always be flowing, <laughs> ABF. Uh, writers. But <laughs> writers. Is there anything else we could say? Uh, no, I'm done. Please tell me more about flow. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's a really powerful thing. There's a lot of research around it. Yeah. And, and it, it happens when it's a, you know, a high level skill, um, but you have sort of reached mastery in your body where you're no longer thinking about it. You're just doing it. And your mind can kind of be at ease at that point because it's the muscle memory that takes over. And that's why I call it movement meditation at that point, because you're just letting go and letting it flow. And I think in those early days, the better you get, you like, you touch it, right? You touch that flow a little bit. Like you have times where you're doing it and you, you've been doing it for a while. And I mean, like during that session, you've been doing it for a while and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I like, I wasn't consciously doing anything. I was kind of in a different state of mind. Mm-hmm. And that feels so good when you hit that point. But right. It's a good reminder to know how to achieve flow in that way. It's so hard to just say, I'm going to flow, you know, I'm going to plan for it because it just kind of happens on its own. Um, But it's important to also embrace the the scariness or the anxiety a little bit of a challenge, you know, because if it's if it's difficult it could be very uncomfortable, like change in life can be very uncomfortable, but that's how you're growing and that's how you will be able to achieve flow and reach that big reward. Um, so I, I tend, I have to remind myself sometimes when things get hard or I'm feeling a lot of doubt and, and like, no, this is good. I'm growing. So Mm -hmm. a little reframe there. (laughs) (laughs) 
positive spin. How has completing a master's in social work, pursuing that practice alongside being a circus performer transformed you outside of that work? Mm, that's a really great question. I'm going to quote Mark Twain. Hopefully I can remember this quote. Um, yes, it's... <laughs> I'm going to make up a Mark Twain quote. <laughs> no, I think I'm correct in saying he said, don't let schooling interfere with your education. And um, I felt like I learned so much at college, in college, that had nothing to do with academics. Um, you know, pursuing circus arts just recreationally um, taught me so many business skills, life skills. And, um, and I mean, I'm so grateful for my degree in social work because that's shaped my life. But after I graduated, I took time off from social work and just pursued circus arts. But um, the knowledge base that I gained from getting my master's definitely stuck with me in my work, um, performing and connecting with other people. And also um, just knowing to myself how to help myself through hard times or reach out to others when I need help. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely both have contributed to my life in amazing, powerful ways outside of the profession. I'm just so grateful that you want to talk to me today. So thank you guys so much for to have you this opportunity yeah. to talk about the stuff that I love. And um, that's really it. So stay tuned. Um, you can follow us online, our Instagram and Facebook is Circus Dynamics, and that's Maurice and I. We have, oh, we have library shows coming up. Whoa. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, I have 16 libraries that I'll be performing this summer. Wow. And um, my show is called the Feel Good Circus Show. Have you heard? shows. Yeah. So. Um, these, not fire. Not fire. <laughs> Don't worry. This is not a Fahrenheit 451 no, no, no. thing. <laughs> no. My show is, is primarily hooping. Yeah. Without fire. Some water. <laughs> right. No. Just making sure. We've All got a lot of, lot of paper. All of the <laughs> Even if Wind, it's an outdoor library. Fire, water. Just, just hooping, juggling. Um comedy audience participation could could someone like us an adult come to one of these shows or is it Absolutely. mostly for kids yeah and it's all free to the public so um if you follow us online on our social media circus dynamics you'll see a list of all of those performances this summer maurice has a solar system circus show so Primarily, we do duo shows, mm. but we decided this year to work on our solo shows. So we're mm. really excited about that. So he's really excited. He's doing, you know, juggling and orbiting planets where he's spinning them and slinkies to talk about light waves. And a lot of his props wow. glow. So it's super cool. It's That's awesome. Really visually amazing. Uh, very talented. So, yeah, keep posted on, online. Follow us at Circus Dynamics. We're so glad to have Casey on the show this week and definitely check them out at Circus Dynamics. You can learn more about what they're up to and find show notes for this show at youcandoitdoit.com. 
As always, if you could drop us a review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. If you like the show, it helps people find it. And thanks again to Night Swim for the use of their theme song. Well, the use of their song, Fiji, has the theme song for this show. We're really uh, really happy about it and grateful that they, uh, they let us use it. So check them out, check out their music, and uh, we'll see you soon. Have a good one. Bye.